Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Unfinished, for making this episode possible. Unfinished is a full-stack Webflow design and development agency that helps companies at the startup and enterprise level build creative and innovative websites. Thank you to RR and the whole team for supporting the podcast, and now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so you can go whenever you like. Hi, my name is Pablo Gonzalez Day, and welcome to the Great Design Lead Podcast. I'm a Webflow developer and YouTuber, and right now I'm about to have a conversation with my friend Emily. Perfect intro on the first try. <laughs> Thank you so much for being willing to spend time with me. We rescheduled uh, from the time that we were planning before. I was so sick and I ended up like sleeping for 13 hours. So I'm so happy that like this is the state I'm going to be in <laughs> rather than the other state that I was in. So thank you. <laughs> of course, of course, no problem. I mean, isn't it always nice to reschedule a two hour a meeting like for me whenever someone you know even if it's a third 30 minute meeting and someone says can we reschedule it's like thank you for giving me you know 30 minutes back so with you this is a two-hour block so it was like i'll i'll take the, those two hours back uh any day now um so yeah no 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 problem and yeah and it's really nice to talk to you again uh yeah i've been here before so nice for, for you to to call me back in yeah, I mean, I think the Emily that you did an episode with a year ago is very different from the Emily now. And I'm sure the same goes for you. Like, you've changed jobs. The things that you're up to on a day-to-day -day basis are different. Like, the amount of community stuff and live streams that you're doing are different. So, like, both of us are in totally different spots within a year. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't I don't even remember when, when that was. Like, do you know when, when we recorded? Around what month? It was definitely last year. Um, maybe in the spring of last year. Let's talk about like where you were then when when we first started talking. Like you were working at Mural, you were living in a different place. So, like, tell me about where you were when the episode came out. Yeah, no, no, actually, I was not. I, I had just moved. That's why I was okay. curious to know. So I was already here, um, but it was just I was here. I had been here for a month or so, so I was very much new new to this apartment. It's the first time I have an office, you know. And still, a year later, I haven't hung anything up anywhere because <laughs> I just don't know what, what to do with the white space behind me. Um, but the rest, the parts that you don't see are pretty much set up, you know, the monitor, the speakers, like the computer, the lights, it's all there. It's just not behind me. Um, and, <laughs> and I was at Mural then, um, you know, I think I left Mural around October, so I was still, still, you know, I guess not planning on moving on by then, I think. Um, so, so now I'm like completely different because I'm six months into Edgar Allen, um, into full transition for sure. Um, so yeah, an interesting year. Uh, it's a nice retrospective. Yeah. I wanted to know like how that conversation started with Edgar Allen, but getting to know Mason, getting to know everybody there. Because I'm sure that you knew people, but how did that conversation start? You know, it's Twitter, really, to tell the, the full story. There's a guy that still works at, at, at Mural. Uh, his name is uh, Josh Jacobs. He's a Webflow expert. He's, you know, pretty fairly popular in the community, in the Webflow community. And I, I, he was sort of my first hire at Mural. So he joined the team I was building uh, of web designers, Webflow developers at Mural. 
And he is from Atlanta. Uh, Edgar Allen is from Atlanta. And Edgar Allen had a, a big client that, so uh, Josh worked for this client uh, as an internal uh, designer. And they had they hired Edgar Allen as an agency. So he knew Mason um, and they had a relationship there. So, you know, Edgar Allen offers um, services to big enterprise uh, companies, you know, Webflow development services uh, and such uh, brand uh, services. So we were needing, you know, to do some, some work. We needed some extra help. So we were looking to hire an agency. And through Josh, we connected with, um, with Mason and with Jared. He's the CTO at um, Edgar Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a conversation. It didn't pan out. We actually ended up working with FinSuite um, mm-hmm. for for a project uh, instead of with them, you know, but it was all good. We just stayed connected in Twitter. And that kind of, that was that. But then, you know, you start retweeting each other, liking your tweets, replying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at some point, um, Jared, the CTO, reaches out to me on LinkedIn to kind of have a chat about some work. I was still at Mural, not really planning on living, but Mural had, had you know, a bunch of layoff rounds like many, many companies have had. Mm-hmm. I was not, um, you know, I could have gone on any round, but I was fairly certain I was not on the chopping board uh, mm-hmm. during the, run, the rounds of layoffs. I was not like actively looking for a new job, but the, you know, the, conditions had changed so I was like okay you know if I find something that is like a nicer atmosphere where I don't feel like this uh, anxious uh, kind of lifestyle where every week someone might be laid off you know if I find something you know more relaxed I I might kind of go there Mm -hmm. and so Jared reached out and I thought it was about like a freelance opportunity honestly like I didn't meet with the intention of kind of moving to like like, uh, you know, quitting Mural and going to Edgar Allen, I thought they just needed some extra muscle on some Webflow build, you know? So yeah. I just went in very kind of, uh, you know, innocently, I guess. Um, then in the conversation, you know, Jared, he's like very straight kind of talker, you know? He's like, yeah, we need someone full-time to start like in, in two weeks. And I'm like, okay, I, 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 I did not... <laughs> Uh, see this coming, but you like, let's talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we talked about it, you know, and I was like, I can't leave like now, but if you give me a month, I, I can, you know? Um, and, and yeah, so I, I, and then I met with Mason, uh, also kind of an interview, you know, we already knew each other. We had this kind of great conversation, you know, we met for 30 minutes and we ended up talking for like an hour and a half and, I was, it just felt right. And I'm, I'm not one to ponder much on things, uh, really, mm. you know, um, if it kind of feels right, I generally just do the thing. Um, so, you know, ended my conversation with Mason, chatted with my girlfriend, you know, what do you think, you know, is it the right move, uh, et cetera. And it all kind of made sense. And yeah, so I, transitioned I, I kind of moved on from mural into edgar allen this transition happened in like the course of one month there was something in the air at mural where everyone was sort of like i'm not leaving but if i find something i might leave you know so yeah. I, it was on my mind that maybe my time at mural was coming to an end 
Mm. But I have like no gripes with the, the company at all. I like have so many friends there, and I, I, yeah. I, to this day, like it's been one of the best jobs I've had. You know, so really, I have no like hard feelings or anything. But I was like, you know, you know, sometimes just things end, and you gotta end them, you know, with grace and kind of not be bitter. So I was, I knew I was kind of coming to the end of my time there, mm-hmm. but I wasn't actively looking, so the transition was fairly quick from that LinkedIn message. You know, we met the other week and literally that same week I met with Mason and the next day after that call, I was like, let's do it. I just needed to square because I had some time off that I had already booked some tickets to Peru. So I kind of had some logistics things to figure out. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like, let's like, I'll, I'll do it. And, And yeah, in the course of like three weeks to a month, and while I was also in Peru, uh, traveling, you know, it was like <laughs> doing lots of things and yeah, it wasn't more than that for sure. It was fairly quick. I mean, but that, that's really interesting though. Like how long were you at Mural before, before Edgar Allen? It was a couple of years, right? Yeah. It was almost three years. I think yeah. it was late in 20, early 2020, right, right yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic that I started. So two years and a half. Two, yeah. two years, I guess. Yeah. Two years and a couple of months. Was it almost all remote? Yeah, fully remote. Yeah. Actually, there's a funny story there where um, I, I got hired while being stranded in, in Japan. Uh, so I lived in Japan for three months. Uh, and I didn't <laughs> and, know this. Uh, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so at the beginning of COVID, I, I had a tickets booked to Japan to go for three weeks, you know, on holidays. And mm-hmm. I, that was before mural, you know, I was at another job and I just stopped liking it. And I was like, I'm going to go for you know, three weeks there. And when I come back, I'll quit and I'll look for my next thing. Yeah. Um, and we went to Japan and while I was there, I started kind of interviewing even before going really like maybe a couple of weeks before going through a referral of a friend, I started interviewing at mural Mm-hmm. And then we went to Japan and, you know, politics aside, Argentina had one of the worst uh, COVID policies in the, in the whole world where really? the country shut down even for nationals. So when we were out in Japan, they shut down and we couldn't come back into our country um, for a almost, yeah, more, more than three months, I guess, three months and, and some change. Um, so we were in Japan and we, I like I I was like I don't know what to, I still had my outer job but I was interviewing for mural and in the situation I couldn't really quit in in any easy way so I had to call them and be like guys I can't go back and officially quit and like like resign from my position how do we do this because I have another job uh coming and so we did like what what you know they were great to kind of let me do that because you had to, need to say at least here you need to send an official resignation letter you know yeah. Uh, and so I couldn't because COVID, you know, it was so, <laughs> so, so weird. Um, so I got the new job like at Mural and they sent yeah. me a computer to Tokyo uh, to start working from there. Uh, and I worked for like about a month and a half at Mural. You know, my first couple of like my first month and a half at Mural, I worked or two months really. I worked fully like re- remote, remote. I was taking meetings at 4 a.m., you know, because the time zone was so different. But I needed a job, you know, and it was like, <laughs> what can you do? Um, That's so, insane. Yeah. yeah, fun times for sure. 
So like, uh, what was that experience like realizing, oh my gosh, I'm stuck here. Like, I can't go home. Were you with your girlfriend or were you with friends? I was with my girlfriend, yeah. So, you know, being fully honest, we left knowing that it could happen because mm-hmm. like the pandemic was already a thing, right? And we were like, it was, you know, when I started like late 2019, but it hit like the the West uh, in early 2020, you know, yeah. uh, around February, March. And we left for Japan like in, in late February. So it was pretty much like... People were telling us, like, you're crazy to go. And we were like, but we have booked everything already, you know, and we really want to go to Japan, so we'll take the chance. Yeah. Uh, and we, I, you know, I chatted with my dad, my girlfriend chatted with her dad. He's like, what do we do? And they were like, you know, you really have just one life, but, you know, do it, you know, whatever. Took my, yeah. my dad's credit card just in case, you know, if I needed some yeah. extra money to spend. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'll take your card because I don't know if I'm coming back <laughs> So we left and essentially like a week into our, because Japan was actually late to shut shutdowns. So Mm. we were actually able to kind of do our trip as we had planned, you know, go to all the hotels, all the temples, all the stuff, go eat outside at restaurants, like fairly normal sort of lifestyle until, you know, three weeks into our trip, they started shutting down. And by then we knew we couldn't come back. And the good thing was that, Airbnb's prices just dropped. So we were like booking like a, a three bedroom apartment in Tokyo for like 20 bucks a, a day, which is like ridiculous, uh, of course. Um, so we were like, it was really fun because it was super comfortable. Um, and I was, you know, we were working from, from there. My girlfriend at the time, she had quit her job and didn't have a job. So for her, it was a bit tough because uh, she mm-hmm. didn't have anything to do other than go out and walk. Uh but it get, you get bored after, you know, doing that for a month. Uh, so it was a bit harder on her. I was like fairly occupied with a new job mm-hmm. and trying to balance that with spending time with her so she wouldn't go crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was now that we talk about it with her and it's like one of the best experiences we've had, you know, because we, we got lucky, like it all turned out. So it's like one of those things where now it's a great story to tell, you know, so we don't regret it at all. I mean, that must be a really interesting experience for her, though, because she, I assume she quit her job before the trip. Yeah. And then she got a new job when she returned from the trip. Was that, yeah. was that her situation? Yeah. So she had all of this time to like, like self-reflect, like just really take a yeah. pause to think about life and just be a person. What was that like for her? Um, you know, I, I will want to speak for her, but there was yeah. a lot of Netflix watching for sure. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know on the self-reflecting um, that much. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely. She she did a lot of, mostly she did a lot of just online courses and stuff, like whatever, because she was transitioning from, because she was, she, she started to be a, an event planner, uh, sort of, you know, for, you know, for a theater and, you know, live shows and comedy mm. shows, you know, that sort of thing. And of course, when the pandemic hit, it's not like she quit her job. She just, there was not, you know, jobs for those kind of people because there were no live events, you know? Yeah. Um, so she couldn't do any, she had, you know, some bands booked, booked out, you know, that for shows that were going to happen in 2020 and those all got canceled, you know? So 
she kind of transitioned to what she does now, which is now she has a sort of a um, digital marketing agency with a with a yeah with a friend. Uh, she started about you know almost yeah a year and a half ago. That was a transition for her during that you know, COVID plus being there. She was like, I don't really have anything to do now because the thing I like doing, which was live events, is no longer a thing. She could get, get go back to it now, but mm-hmm. I think she kind of found more of a passion in, in the digital sort of uh, marketing space than on the live events. Do you guys have a lot in common when it comes to like theater and live events and interest in that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you do know, I, we chatted about this. I did theater as a kid. Um, yeah. And, and until my, my mid-20s. And so I, that's where we met, actually. Uh, really? We met at a, yeah, at a musical theater school, sort mm-hmm. of course thing, you know, uh, where we did, you know, amateur sort of kind of uh, shows. Um, and we, yeah, we met at that school with her, like, you know, in your free time, we went on like rehearsals and such and, you know, started going out and yeah, we've been going out since, you know, six years. Wow. So we share that, that love for, for theater, for sure. We kind of fell out of, of love with the doing it, but we still do enjoy watching it you know going yeah. to, to shows and, and that sort of thing actually we're planning on a trip to europe um on september uh and we're gonna go to london and to spain to watch you know musical theater they're both you know pretty big capitals for for that kind of thing that's incredible i'm so excited for you that sounds like such a great trip yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah it's gonna be fun for sure we have a friend that's getting married in in france that's the excuse yeah then we're just gonna since we're there you know which is might as well yeah i was in a uber yesterday with someone and i was telling them about what i was doing today and they're like oh do you have any podcasts tomorrow and i said yeah i have one with my friend and then they're like yeah tell me tell me about your friend i was like well he does this and he has this tech youtube channel and he works with my friend mason and like he used to be really into theater but then like i don't know there were things about theater where like the actual like doing it part and and like all of the yeah. other extra things other than the actual act of like singing and acting like all yeah. of these other things he was just like nah not my biggest thing and i was telling this whole story in the uber yesterday literally at like 9 p.m <laughs> that's funny and i had forgotten about that that part of our conversation i i had forgotten we I, we kind of dove deep into that which is something i don't talk yeah. about much Actually, I was talking with my girlfriend about that, you know, a couple of days ago uh, about that, those friendships that were lost there. And I still, you know, have some pain for some friendships that, that you know, got lost in the shuffle due to kind of not being part of the tribe anymore, yeah. you know. Um, so it's still, it's still there, but, but yeah, yeah, we discussed that thoroughly last, yeah. <laughs> last episode. I've definitely had some friendships where it's really interesting when you when you leave an environment or you leave somewhere where you have to see each other all the time. Just seeing if that friendship continues is really interesting because I think it means a lot when like maybe you're you're dating somebody and then you're no longer dating that person, but you're still friends with the people that you've met through that person or you're like doing a sport and then you leave that sport, but you stay friends with those people. I think that really means a lot when when you can still keep yeah. in contact with people despite being forced to see each other or not. 
yeah yeah it's tough because you don't have that that uh the connecting mm-hmm. tissue right so there has to be something deeper that that still kind of bonds you um so yeah it happens yeah. it's life you know what can you do but yeah then it does hurt when you are so close with people and then you don't have that connecting tissue anymore and then you don't see them anymore it's not like i don't like this person anymore yeah and you, you you don't have much an excuse to to talk to them so you're like it it feels awkward to start a conversation um so yeah it, it hurts a bit but again what can you do what was that experience like having to do all these meetings at such a crazy time zone difference because some people ask me they're like hey you work remotely have you ever thought about going to japan like they say mm-hmm. japan specifically because i'm yeah. uh, like like francesco yeah. castronovo he's like a huge fan of japan and he's like have you ever thought about going to japan and i'm like i don't know if i could do that time zone difference but to see that you did it for <laughs> two months is crazy no it's crazy i wouldn't recommend it at all like um you know we are actually like i told you we're going on september to europe and we're taking three weeks of kind of time off but then we're also staying for two Mm -hmm. extra weeks so we're doing one week Mm -hmm. at the beginning and one week at the end so it's a total five-week trip where we'll be working two weeks and you know kind of traveling around for three weeks so that makes sense right because in Europe, you got like a five, four to five hour difference, um, depending on where you are. And it gets tricky with the West Coast because it's like a nine or eight mm-hmm. hour difference. But, you know, most Edgar Allen really is based around mm-hmm. Eastern time. You know, we have a global team, but sort of the time when everyone is around tends to be around, you know, the, the waking hours of, of yeah. Eastern time. So that is manageable. Um but because in the worst case, you might end up a meeting and, and you know, end your work day or a meeting at like 9 p.m., you know, which, you know, I know some people go to sleep fairly uh, early, fairly, you know, like at you know, 10 p.m. or 11. I tend to go to sleep at around like 12 yeah. to 1 a.m. <laughs> so for me, 9 p.m. is not like that much of a crazy hour to meet. But when I was in Japan, I was, yeah, had a couple of meetings at 4 a.m., um, but then, you know, the regular was maybe you start a meeting around, you know, 11 p.m., 1 a.m. And I mean, you do it and you can do it a couple of weeks, but it does get a bit taxing because you go to sleep at like whatever, 4 to 5 a.m. You sleep until noon. You can make it work, but but it gets you know, it gets uncomfortable because you do want to kind of have some life where you go out to eat or something, but you really can't, uh, you know, live sort of a normal life if you're so, so kind of moved out time zone wise. We actually thought about that. We we really love Japan and we want to go to Japan again and Korea. And we want to do that thing where we travel for a bit and then work for a bit. And we might do that like for a week or two. Uh, I think it's manageable, but more than that, it becomes a bit, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah, because I can, I can imagine just spending so much of your waking time just in the dark. I think even just the daylight yeah. aspect of it is a huge factor. <laughs> yeah, no, and and you know, whenever like you're up up at like three a.m. for me, it's like I need some sort of caffeine, uh, an energy drink, yeah. whatever it is. To feel like there's something in me to stay and to keep me awake, you know. Um, but then it that's not very healthy to be, you know, for three weeks drinking you a coffee at four a.m. <laughs> that that can't be <laughs> healthy uh, for sure. I did want to ask 
there's so much so many travel videos that i watched during covid my lifestyle during covid was often a I would have an exercise bike and then I would take an iPad and put it on the exercise bike, like a little homemade Peloton. And then I would just watch travel videos on my bike. And um, a lot of travel videos that I watched were about Japan. And there were so many things that I thought were Mm. really interesting. Like the amount of uh, travel vloggers that do episodes about the um, the 7-Elevens there is hilarious. (laughs) What what was like the, the... culture aspect or the actual day-to-day lifestyle experience living there for that long i had a a thing you know where and anyone listening please don't misconstrue anything i'm saying i'm just saying it's a weird experience sometimes when you become for a couple of months the the only person that looks like Mm -hmm. yourself and there's a lot of people that kind of look different because they are like from the eastern sort of asian kind of ethnicity and you're not and after being there for like two months it it's kind of like different you're like okay i'm like i you, i don't see faces you know that are similar to me for such a long time and it becomes very weird it's not uncomfortable at all people there are incredibly kind but you know it was like a bit like sometimes it was like wow you know it's just like i'm i'm alone you know here with my girlfriend and people like Japanese people living there speak to you in Japanese because it's only fair that if you're there in the middle of the pandemic, you're likely work there, live there, or you're doing something in Japan that you should know Japanese, you know? So people started talking. I was like, no, I'm just super stranded here. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know the language. I don't know anything. Uh, And people, you know, understood that uh, fairly quickly. But but that sort of, um, you know, being absolutely a fish you know a a different pond or whatever you know not being kind of um around the 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 people that i live when i am here in in the city where i was born it's sort of like such a fun and kind of shifts shifts your perspective in a way that i'm like wow man it's 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 for me it was really eye-opening to be like because you know how I, I sometimes think of like there are random cities in, in China, right, where people just live and have the life and they have no idea of what goes on in the U.S., in Argentina, and, and they just have their life and that's like their life. And we kind of think of that from the outside and be like, yeah, they like have a life, whatever. But if you go there and you see it in real life for such an extended period of time, you kind of that bakes into your brain and I think it opens up your yeah your perception as to like we know people are different everywhere in the world but once you actually live that you're like okay like there's like entirely entirely different worlds around the world like if you go to a random town in you know Kazakhstan or Azerbaijan whatever it's like people don't have like you have no connection culturally you know to 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 connect with with those people and you just kind of have to just smile and be a decent person and then you understand each other you know and for me like after being there because we were in a sort of residential town in, in within you know tokyo so i was not like in the middle of like the woods like people know that there's like it's a fairly you know um popular yeah. city right but still i was like in a town where it was not often that people would see you know western tourists you know it was like a fairly dense you know japanese sort of neighborhood um so so it was really fun to just walk around and and be like okay now i live here you know <laughs> and you go to the supermarket and like you say you know there's like 
all these things where like meat is different because the, the cuts that we eat, even the cuts that we eat in Argentina are different than the cuts that you guys eat in the U.S. But then the, the cuts of, of, of beef or of pork they have there are different. So you look at the thing and you're like, <laughs> what, am I, what part of the cow am I buying? You know? And you can't know, really. So you're like, okay, I'll buy it and kind of check out if it's any good, you know? And then they have like all this, you know, different kinds of vegetables that, that, that we don't have here um, or, you know, fruits, um, the pre-cooked meals that are like so different, you know, and, and again, if you're there for like a week or two, you see that, but you might only interact with that food for like, you know, once or twice when you go to the, like this small, you know, mm -hmm. convenience store. But for us, we kind of had to have dinner every night and we were like... We just didn't know anymore what to choose, you know, so we started kind of understanding what were the things that we liked and we didn't. Um, so that was definitely such a culturally, you know, awesome experience. And, and, and you know, that I've, I, I told you about this, like I, I lived around the world fairly, you know, more than your usual person, you know, in, in Mexico and Italy around Argentina, um, you know, been to the U S a bunch of times, been around Europe. So, so it, but, but, it was always Western sort of based, you know, traveling around the world. And then when I went to Thailand with friends and, you know, Southeast Asia, and now with this Japanese trip, it's like, it's so, so eye opening, you know, to, to see how it's a different world. It's not like even remotely similar to what you, you know, you know, it's funny. Sometimes I hear people talk about I want to go to a different planet or like they, they talk about space travel yeah. and all this kind of stuff. They're like, I just want to experience something totally different. And I'm like, have you ever gone to another country ever? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was actually yesterday. There's, there's a channel that I love. It's called lethal crisis. It's in Spanish. It's a travel guy, Spanish guy that travels around the world, but he's like, goes into the wilderness kind of guy. It's not like your traditional, like traveling mm -hmm. around the world. In go, he goes into tribes in Africa, you know, he goes into like Albania, a, t a random really whatever town in Al Albania that you don't know, but there's like a deep history there. He goes into like, like Mongolia, like countries where it's not traditional to just go and, you know, be like, oh, I'm here. And, and he kind of gets deep in with the people. Of course, he kind of connects with, you know, locals that speak his language to kind of be the the connection with the people because you of course you don't know how to speak with you know the tribe and you know in west africa so he kind of has con connections with local people to be brought mm -hmm. into those places but when i see his videos i just love watching those videos because it's like like what you said like oh i want to explore the the universe and it's like explore the world because like you go to a rural rural town in russia and that will be another planet for you, you know? Exactly. It's like literally the food, you know, the, the, the way people dress, the, the way people speak, the way, you know, they, what is good, what is bad, what is considered polite, what is not. It's just fully different. I think one of my favorite things to do, and I'm glad that you brought up like the supermarket thing, because whenever I go to a new place, I love going to the supermarket. Yeah. That's the first thing I do that we're like obsessed with my girlfriend, <laughs> not with supermarkets. You know, we, we just, the first place we go, cause it's just, even the, 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 the sort of mm -hmm. global things, it's like, how are they, are there, 
you know, Coke flavors yeah. here. You know, even that is different. You know, it's not even the, the traditional thing. It's like everything is, is different. You know, the chips, whatever, how, what flavors do they have yeah, for yeah. chips here? You know, one of my favorite things, at least in Philadelphia, is like there's a Chinatown. So there's a, this underground Chinese supermarket, which is really fun to poke around in. And then 20 minutes outside yeah. the city, my Ukrainian friend told me about this Russian grocery store that I like going to. And they just have everything under the sun. <laughs> for some reason, they had like, polish nutella and i didn't realize that there was like specific polish nutella like it had the flag on it and i was like where and then i don't know just seeing all of these different brands and also like the way different things are advertised is interesting like the labels and everything it's just very cool yeah 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 from a design perspective it's always so so interesting to look at that and i'm always reminded about the vlad story that he told with here on your podcast about the the banana thing (laughs) and (laughs) I was once chatting with a, a friend at Mural. He was from Russia too. And I, you know, when you don't want to like be, you know, sound like you're stereotyping someone or anything, but I was just so curious about that story from your podcast where I was like, I, I'm going to ask you something and I hope you don't get offended, but like, is there a thing with <laughs> bananas in Russia? And he like had the same story yeah. to tell. And I was like, mind blown you know and so those sort of things that are you know so normal or so like run of the mill for 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 your life can be like such a an explosion for someone else you know i think it's very random that's the one thing that i've noticed like since college the amount of people that i've met from outside the u.s is just like exponential i remember it's just very funny how random the things that people aren't exposed to are versus the things that they are. So like some yeah. people would be, say, oh, I know what American Idol is, the the, like the singing show. And then yeah. um, at that same person would say, yeah, I didn't know who Beyonce was until I was 18. <laughs> it's just such random bits and pieces yeah. of information that make their way across around the world. And, and some bits and pieces yeah. that you think are so much more niche than Beyonce, um, uh, those yeah. make it and then Beyonce doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. That's why it's important to travel. And I, I it's kind of the one thing I'm obsessed with, just traveling as much as I can. Uh, yeah, I think it's the best. So what was it like when you finally flew back and you were finally home? Yeah, so um, we flew back. So the thing was, we couldn't come Japan, you know, it's fairly far from mm-hmm. Argentina. Uh, you know, it's definitely a two day ordeal to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for, you know, flights were so limited at that time that there was, we don't, we don't add, like, there's no direct flights to Japan from Buenos Aires where I live. Like there, there are not, there a plane doesn't have enough fuel to do that trip. So it's all, it always has to be like, you know, a, a connected mm-hmm. flight. Um, and given that flights were so limited across the world, there was not like a regular cadence of like, you know, Buenos Aires, whatever, Madrid, Madrid, Japan, or Buenos Aires, you know, Rome or Dubai, Dubai, Japan. There, was, there were no like regular flights doing those routes, mm. you know? So, um, we couldn't book a ticket to get back home at all. Like there was no, and, and especially because our Argentina had this very bad policy 
where we couldn't even go into the country until they eventually, you know, those two, three, two and a half months passed, they decided, okay, we can let our nationals come back in. It's like, thank you. Um, but that's when we started researching, okay, can we get there? But the thing is, Japan, again, is so far that we were like, if another outbreak happens, whatever, like, we kind of need to leave mm-hmm. Japan and be closer to home. Um, so we decided to take a plane, a trip from uh, Japan to Mexico, because actually we had our, our original trip was Buenos Aires, Mexico, um, Mexico, mm-hmm. Japan. So we decided with the airline so that we don't, didn't lose our entire ticket. They were like, we can take you to Mexico and that's it. And it was like, okay, that's better than being in Japan because again, mm-hmm. it's so far. So we kind of were able to get that ticket from them. So we didn't have to pay for that one. But then we were in Mexico and we didn't have, not, we didn't need to buy a ticket to get to Buenos Aires. But again, the, the flights were so limited. But at least we were close enough that we could take a direct flight to Argentina, which was what we kind of, that was a thing. That was the only thing that was a bit nerve wracking. We're like, we couldn't even go to home if we yeah. wanted to, you know. Um, now that we were in Mexico, we could. So we were, we were in Mexico for two weeks. Uh, and this is like, this is just not us. Like imagine the entire country was shut down. So there were a lot of Argentinians around the world with the same issue, right? So we had a group, we still, we're still friends with the, the stranded from Japan. We have a WhatsApp group and we're still chatting, you know, cause we were like, not a lot, but we we're like 40 or 50 people in Tokyo wow. when that happened from Argentina. Those are the ones that I know of, right? There were probably more, but the ones that we connect, cause we went to the embassy to kind of make like strikes, like, Hey, can you get us back wow. home? You know? We were not doing like a real strike, but we were literally 30 people at the embassy of Argentina in Tokyo being like, hey, ambassador, can you kind of help us out here? And he was, he heard us, but he didn't have, he he didn't have any clout with the, you know, uh, with Argentina too. They didn't care essentially. So he couldn't do anything. Um, So etc. We were a lot of people in Mexico because me- people were going to Mexico because Mexico was fairly open. It was one of the few countries that you could mm-hmm. go into because um, that was also the issue. I couldn't just go at- to any country, you know? So we went to Mexico and there were like a bunch of people in, in Mexico. And that's when eventually Argentina with our national airline opened a couple of flights to Cancun to kind of bring some people back. We had to pay for the ticket, but you know, at least they put the, the plane to to take mm-hmm. the ride, you know? Um, so we went from Mexico city to Cancun for like a couple of days. Uh, and there we were able to book a ticket, uh, a ticket to, to Argentina. And when we got here, you know, uh, we just kind of landed and again, not being political, the country was not great at this. And we just went into the country no one checked if we had COVID or anything. We just came back in <laughs> and that was it. And uh, and then we were here. Yeah. That's such an interesting way to make a friend. Like both of you are like, (laughs) how often in your lifetime for you specifically, are you in Japan and how often in your lifetime, like are these other people? Like it's such crossed paths that you ended up being friends with these, or like, do you know, these 40 people that were in this like once in a lifetime experience with you? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's fairly, uh, you know, that's why we stayed. Like, again, we're not like yeah. close friends, but we chat on the regular, you know, uh, through like a WhatsApp chat and, and such. And, and it's so funny because we, we have this sort of shared experience that is like you, so unique, like it couldn't happen again ever you know well i mean if, yeah. unless there's another pandemic and i get stranded again but you know it's such a, a weird experience to be connected by what was the know? time like in mexico uh, mexico is more closed than uh japan at least they let mm -hmm. you get in but it was very very you know limited restricted you know curfews and, and that sort of thing and we rented a beautiful place because it was so cheap. So we were like, just might as well splurge, you know. Um, and so we had this nice little apartment for two weeks there. Time zones were better to, to continue mm -hmm. working. Uh, we couldn't go to the supermarket together. So, you know, we did the thing where she went in and then I went in. And then in the supermarket, we were like, should I buy this? Yes, we should get them, you know. Um, and everyone was doing the same like theater, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was fun. Mexico has so many uh, U.S. products that we don't get in Argentina. So for us, it was so fun to just buy silly, you know, like whatever. I don't even know what, but just random U.S. products because we don't get a lot of, of like your things that you would find in really? your supermarket here, uh, or it's very expensive, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like. I don't know, it comes to mind like, you know, random barbecue, <laughs> uh, you know, sauce, you know, yeah. whatever. The, like those dip for Doritos, <laughs> you know, whatever. Those sort of things that uh, that are just like uh, in all your supermarkets there in the U.S. We don't get a lot of that here, but Mexico does. So whenever, you know, that's the thing for Argentinians, whenever we travel outside, because um, there's like a lot of limits here on importing products from the other countries so we don't get a bunch of stuff so whenever we go to another country we buy weird stuff that we can't <laughs> buy here oh that's so funny yeah i don't know i'm trying to think because because yeah. for me this is all i know really and so it just seems so normal yeah. to me but yeah things like i don't know, like reese's peanut butter cups are that i yeah? was gonna say that <laughs> literally i was gonna say reese's is you know yeah. Edgar Allen, we you know we are a fairly remote team, and the other time, uh, like at the end of uh, the year, uh, uh, a designer from our team came to Argentina, and she came with a bag of Reese's <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and other yeah. things too. You know, but it's so funny that you thought of that because that was exactly I was going to show them to you, but I don't uh, have them anymore. I had them at hand actually. Like the, the wrappers. <laughs> The, yeah, the like the big bag, the, the you know the oh, family like bag. Oh, of, of Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it for you for the video. We have like the Reese's, you know, and we have a bunch of those. Yeah. Here. Um, so yeah, um, whenever people come from the U.S., we generally ask for silly <laughs> things like that. It's mostly you know junk food. Yeah. Really. I'm actually going on a trip to Amsterdam in May. I was thinking about like what kind of things I could bring to um, my friends there. And so I'm actually going to bring marshmallow fluff. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm... <laughs> you should always ask. That, that's a pro tip for, for people from the U.S., uh, you're going to another country to visit friends. Just ask them, <laughs> what do you want from here? Because a lot of 
crappy stuff from the US we enjoy. Uh, and it's always nice that you bring them. Do you to know us. what I'm talking about when I talk about marshmallow fluff? No, I haven't seen those. So, like, imagine like just marshmallows, just as if it's kind of just like a, a cream in a like a peanut butter oh, jar. Oh, no, no, that that can't be good. That can't be good. I'm looking at it now. God. So, so what? How do you guys live? That's so what people would do is that they would take two slices of white bread and then you would either put like Nutella or like Jif peanut butter. I'm looking at a picture with that. Yeah, peanut butter and, and then marshmallow fluff, fluff on the other side. Two. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's oh, what man. I'm bringing. Um, and so I already have it. It's in my cabinet and, and it's it's marsh now. <laughs> it's gonna be, I'm not going until May. Um, oh, God. Yeah, so like one thing that I love, this is totally side topic, but one thing I love to do is take yeah. uh, strawberries um, and then cover it in marshmallow fluff and then put, a, put it on a stick and then roast it over a fire. And then it's like a, a, a roasted s'more. Um, yeah. Yeah when, I, yeah, when I was in uh, at Mural, working at Mural, we went to uh, sort of a company mm -hmm. retreat uh, in Orlando. Um, and we had like a bonfire night and everyone, you know, was eating their s'mores and I, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't <laughs> know that fan. s'mores were like a, an American thing. I thought that everybody yeah. in the world did that. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> don't let me be mean, but it is not, of, not it is often that Americans think that what they do, everyone does. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> I believe like also one one <laughs> funny thing that that you reminded me of is like when when you were in Japan and you were like oh my gosh like I am there are so many things that I'm so used to from back home and now now here I have like none of that and it's just like so different like what I went um to eastern europe for for a long trip uh like a month um in the summer and one thing that was wild to me that I didn't realize meant so much to me is that I didn't hear American accents for a month. Oh yeah. I heard that in yeah? one of your episodes. Yeah. Uh, you were talking with someone about and that. It yes. was wild. Like mm. just to, to go from yeah. living in, because I didn't leave the U S until I was 19. Um, I, I, I was yeah. just, I would hear American accents every day. Didn't think anything of it. And then I go away for a month and it's just wild. And I, I met my, this one girl there that spoke English perfectly with an American accent. Yeah. And I was just like in love with her. I was like, oh my God, be my friend. The way that you talk is yeah. beautiful. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I haven't heard an American accent in so long. And it just gave me so much peace. And actually, right after I came back from that trip, I went to Atlanta to see Mason. Um, we yeah. were recording our... Uh, uh, Webflowconf um, uh, recording um, for for the talk, and so yeah. I was in the Atlanta airport um, eating an American burger, listening to American accents, and this guy <laughs> in a cowboy hat showed up and asked me how I was doing, and I was like, "I am in my element. This is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun, and that was the thing yeah. I was telling you about in Japan. After a yeah. long while, you kind of you realize those sort of things, like not seeing people that look mm -hmm. like you, you know, it becomes unexpectedly, you know, 
okay, wow, I, I didn't think that mattered to me, you know, or, or that that was an important aspect of my day. Like there's things that if you stay where you always live, you start to take for granted and you don't perceive. So that, that's why I think it's so important to kind of expose yourself to to other cultures, you know, allow yourself to be wrong, allow yourself to, you know, have judgments that, that can be upended by doing something different, you know, so... Um, so yeah, definitely. That's, that's such a key factor for me on traveling and realizing what are all the things you're wrong <laughs> exactly. about. You know? Well, did you have that experience of, uh, hearing Spanish again for the first time after, um, uh, being away for so long? Was that like any sort of feeling for you? I don't think so. Cause I was, you know, yeah, with my girlfriend. So we, <laughs> and Chatting with my, you know, family. Yeah, I, I didn't felt. Yeah, you know, no, I didn't feel. Oh, that, yeah, really. I was just curious because that. Yeah, that was a. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was just because I was speaking English with everybody, but it's just the accent was different. So when I heard the American accent yeah. when when I landed in JFK, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that that does happen. Like when, like I mentioned, uh, this offsite to mm-hmm. Orlando. You know, you go there like for whatever four days, and you know. F- whenever you know i went back to the hotel room and just i called called my girlfriend or whatever it was like oh man i can't speak <laughs> spanish again you know because 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 i you know as, as much as yeah. i do speak english probably you know six mm-hmm. hours a day because i work for you know an, an american company yeah i still you know get to speak spanish all the time but when you know you go out especially for like a work trip when you're like mm-hmm. alone I was literally speaking, you know, English from breakfast to, to, till mm-hmm. dinner, you know, uh, and it kind of becomes a bit <laughs> odd. Uh, and then when you speak your language again, you're like, okay, wow, I, I still know my language. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Uh, curious for you, actually, because um, uh, some of my friends uh, that speak, speak multiple languages, um, uh, some of them say it's like changing gears. They're either either full in the language they grew up with or full in English. Um, or mm. it's like a mix because, uh, like one of my best friends, he speaks Spanish and English and it's kind of just like, uh, yeah. they just kind of like blend together. Um, so what is it, what is it yeah. for you? Yeah, no, they, they definitely yeah. blend. Like, honestly, I, I, I think interchangeably in both languages, like I couldn't find myself just, thinking about stuff yeah. in English. Um, of course, it's going to be more related to what is the topic that I'm thinking. If I'm thinking about work, it just makes more sense to think about the thing in, yeah. in English because then I'm going to be talking to someone about it in English. So why would I kind of do the mental yeah. math, you know? Um, so so for me, they really blend. I find myself sometimes taking a note in English, you know, like get the you know buy whatever bananas <laughs> at the supermarket and and i'm like why why the hell they write that in english yeah. you know um but but for me it's like yeah it's been you know since i since i joined mural i have been speaking english professionally every day um so it's f- four years now mm-hmm. i guess um and before that i was yeah i was, was always very fluent I, I learned english when i was started learning english when i was I don't know, a kid, like maybe, you know, mm-hmm. six. So it's it's always been part of my life. And today I just, for me, I, I it, it's not a, I just 
can interchangeably talk any language, which is awesome. It's a superpower, yeah. really. I that yeah, that's not something that I have, but that's something that I really admire. <laughs> I I remember yeah. um uh learning French in high school and it was it was so fun um to just be able to like unlock just even just a little bit and being able to have mm. conversations with my yeah. professor because it, it was full immersion um for like six yeah. years or so. Um I don't have it anymore, but um it it was so fun, <laughs> like in the moment to just like have full on conversations um and and not really yeah. be too stressed about what's the next word or anything like that. Um, and mm. also with a lot of the words actually meaning that word, I, like there were some points where I didn't have to translate it in my head. Um, and that, that was the fun part yeah. where I'm like, okay, this phrase just means this phrase. It doesn't mean what it's translated to in English. It's, it's just what that phrase is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do get that a lot, like being, you know, like really fluent in English. I, I sometimes have words that I only know in English, not that I don't know the word in Spanish, but just the phrase is better mm -hmm. in English, you know? So I'm like, this is what I'm trying to convey. And then I don't know how to convey that same sort of emotion or specific thing in mm -hmm. Spanish, you know, cause then it does, it's not like a word for what word translation. It's more like, like a phrasing or a, you know, or an idiom where like it makes sense in that language, but not in the other. Um, so I'm sometimes the, the, the silly guy saying like, well, I don't know how to say it in Spanish. <laughs> and my friends are like, are you kidding me? You know? Well, yeah, I mean, we have, you have different phrases, different slang, different things like that. Like sometimes it's just yeah. like, I don't know, sometimes part of culture, like, oh, well, this thing just happens in American culture. Yeah. So we just have a different phrase for it. So yeah, it's stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask, uh, there's, there's so much that Edgar Allan does that uh, is Spanish speaking, which is so cool. And so what is that, yeah. that experience like for you, like hosting that and, and running those? And, and also I want to ask about the state of flow that happened in person. So tell me about that yeah. part of your life. Yeah. So, you know, I'll take it back uh -huh. a, a step just to give some people a bit more mm -hmm. context. <laughs> you know, I, Joined Edgar Allen as a Webflow developer, um, as my official sort of title, uh, or what I, you know, what, what takes up most of my days here. But ever since like I was chatting with Mason about joining a, an important part of my role was going to be community. Um, so, you know, Although I would say 80% of my time I'm doing, you know, sort of Webflow development related tasks, I do try and kind of cut up a day of the week. So 20% of my time for community specific things. So today, for example, I did no development at all. It was full community day, which is not great because I have a <laughs> lot of work to do, but, you know, I'll kind of see tomorrow what, what happens. Um, but, but, uh, I just love it. And when I go into it, I, I kind of enjoy it a lot. And so the Webflow development, is pretty easy, you know, I do that. And I don't think there's much, much more to, to say there, but on the community front, we, you know, the thing that, all, that was, you know, a real kind of way on the balance of joining Edgar Allen was, was th this opportunity to be part of the community efforts uh, for Edgar Allen, which entail um, 
two things. One is Edgar Allan Live, which is the English speaking mm-hmm. content. And then there's Webflow Cafe, which is the Spanish speaking uh, content. Um, currently, I am sort of the video production lead for Edgar Allan in a way. Uh, I kind of manage both sides of the house on video production. So what are what is our process of booking guests? Uh, what is our process of like doing the streams? What are the tools we use? What are the, you know, the different automations that we have built out for, for that process to work? Do we publish on YouTube? How do we build the thumbnails for YouTube? Um, all the things, you know, all, all the things that, um, you know, tweeting out promotional kind of tweets about upcoming streams or videos that we have recorded and launched. Um, so I am kind of, in a way, managing the the output of that arm of Edgar Allen, but but as uh, but on a more operational level, I am also the host of EA Live, so the English speaking content uh, piece of Edgar Allen. The host, in a way, where like I'm not always going to be the talking like the talking head. It's sometimes Kendra, who's you know our brand uh, lead at Edgar Allen. Or Mason, who is you know the founder. Um, so it's either him, uh, Kendra, or myself. So I interview people on the Webflow development front. So I chatted with with uh, Josh uh, that we talked mm-hmm. about earlier about Webflow e-commerce. I interviewed Marius, who's also a former uh, you know um, peer at, at, at Mural. Chatted with him about uh, Mural's rebranding and rebuild of the Webflow build. So I, I kind of tend to be on the more Webflow-related conversation. Mason interviews people more around agency building and, you know, pricing and client work and that sort of, like, more of the agency building part of the house. And Kendra is talking with people about brand and, and yeah, general, you know, content conversations and such. So I am managing that English-speaking side of the house quite a bit. Um, but then we also have the Spanish content, which is Webflow Cafe, which in itself is more of a community, I would say, than EA Live. So EA Live is more of a traditional kind of content production machine where, you know, we record videos, we push, you know, we make live streams, we kind of do open houses where we invite other other people from the the Webflow kind of uh, environment. But Webflow Cafe... It's a community on itself. It has like a Discord channel. Um, it has a Twitter handle that is exclusive mm-hmm. to it. And we are, as far as we know, the largest Spanish-speaking community of Webflow-related people. You know, we have a Discord with, I believe, around 200 people, which, again, we don't know if there's a larger community out there, but we haven't yeah. really met them. If, if they're, they, they are there, that's awesome, and we'd love to meet them. But we think we are the largest uh, sort of Spanish-speaking community for Webflow and no code in general. And we are, and that's sort of the intention, although we also have the mm-hmm. weekly streams um, there um, and, and content that we put out. The intention is more around building a community. And so this, this community, the intention is to not only, in a way, speak as Edgar Allen, but also to connect people that are related sort of in in the webflow space and the sort of mason's vision in a way is to 
produce content that is useful and brings opens doors for more more people you know uh webflow and as many many tools uh is only in english you know which is not ideal um of course because although many people speak english many many don't um and you know when when we talk with people around the that are getting into web development you know webflow etc it's like but i don't have uh content that i can understand because the tool you can use right because although the tool itself is in english it's fairly visual and you can kind of do mm -hmm. the things but to learn kind of more advanced things you know maybe how to use like fin suites attributes or like how to use this random cool tool that is available there or you know how to take like taking a course from like flux academy like everything mm -hmm. is in english right And so if you want to kind of step up your your game in a way, you really can't, like, if you don't know English. Like, if you know English, you're mm -hmm. fine. But it's not even about knowing the language. It's about having some sort of fluency because you might know it at a sort of basic or mid-level. But then when questions get complex, you know, it can get really tricky really fast, you know. Um, so the intention for us is to produce learning content in Spanish that is accessible to, to, you know, the Spanish community and that people can use to really level up and start using Webflow as, as you know, their, their tool that, that kind of opens doors for them and that they can do their work with that. Um, so we are doing that through, you know, this community in which like we have, it's a very active community where someone might post, Hey, I don't know how to do this. You know, and it's like someone hops in, it's like, you can do this this way or that way. Oh, but I don't understand that resource. So someone might hop in and kind of translate it or kind of explain what it says. So that's super helpful. Um, and then we're kind of trying, we're in the works. The, the idea is to produce a sort of a Webflow course for beginners. That's in awesome. Spanish, um, it's where it's in the making, but you know, I don't want to promise or spoil anything because I don't really know when. We're going to be releasing it because, again, it's kind of the, the 20% or 10% effort mm -hmm. for some of us here. So it kind of is a lot of work and there's no like direct monetary like value to it, which is fair, right? It's okay. And Mason is investing in it and it's not about making money out of it. They just kind of put out free resources. But of course, we also got to do the work work. So <laughs> balancing that uh, sometimes with the time is, is a bit tricky. But the one thing I did want to say about this, I don't want to forget, is Webflow community is led by two people here at Garal and it's Floor uh, and Felix. They are the ones mostly leading uh, or entirely leading the, the Webflow cafe side, of, cafe side of the house. They are doing the hosting the live streams in Spanish. They're moving the community a lot more and, and kind of being part of that. I'm honestly a bit stretched thin as to like Edgar Allen live plus managing the entire sort of operation plus the web development yeah. job um, that I am not like super active in the Spanish community, uh, sadly, but someone also needs to be in the English speaking community. So that's kind of how we split uh, the, the workload. I can only imagine how frustrating that is for somebody where all of these resources are not all but like majority of these resources are in english and you can you can only get so yeah. far until you have a question and then you don't really know how to go from there so many times i've been stuck with something and then i was able to find the solution is in maybe like an hour um 
or you post on, in the forum and somebody's there for you. But I can only imagine how frustrating this and and how have people talked to you about that? Yeah, actually, th there was one guy which still haven't been able to fully, you know, help him out. Um, and I think this is a nice segue to your state of flow question. This guy was um, the uh, I don't know how what the sort of the tech guy at the venue where we did mm -hmm. the event and we'll get to the event so he was like connecting the projector and you know making like helping us with the lights and kind of those sort of things and he's working as that that kind of that thing that sort of job in a place that makes events for like you know web flow development web development crypto you know co-working spaces tech and all of that and and he was like, what are you guys, you know, what is this talk about? You know, and he was like, you know, probably, you know, in his late 20s mm -hmm. or something. And and so I kind of chatted with him and kind of told him what we were about and what was Webflow and all that. And he was really interested in, in, in getting in. But as I started talking to him, I realized that he does not know English, like, at mm -hmm. all, right? Um, and it was sort of heartbreaking where I was like, but you should join like, you know, Webflow University or go to like the Facebook group. And he's like, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And it's like, I don't, I don't know what to do mm -hmm. for you. Like I want to help, but it's like the, the barrier is so high that if you don't know the thing and, and seeing him working at a place where all this sort of effervescence happens where people meet and talk about like changing the world with web three or whatever it is and AI and, you know, like all the things, you know, that, that, that if we, if you are in, in this sort of tech world, you, you hear about, and maybe this kind of goes back to the conversation about outer cultures and such. And if you go to the middle of a town, they live in a different world. You don't even have to go to the middle yeah. of a town, right? Even in the city, there's so many people that for, for me, you know, I was, I told him you can join. So it went until I was like, you can join our discord community. And he asked me like, what is discord? And that's when you're like, what, <laughs> you know, I, I assume so mm -hmm. many things and like, this is not, not on him at all. Like this is actually on, on me. You know, it's like, we assume so many things and what is normal and what is what you should know. And what you should be able to achieve. And if you don't achieve something, it's because you're lazy yeah. or whatever, you know, but some people just are a hundred steps down the ladder and someone needs to kind of help them out in a way, you know, or be like, be there at least to say, go there, don't go there, try this, don't try that, you know, because Again, for like you said, you I can spend an hour or two trying to figure something out, but I know I'll, I'll mm -hmm. figure it out, or I'll ask someone that can help me out. But some people are like so far down that 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 yeah, it's frustrating for me, and I can't imagine for them. Like it's if it's frustrating for me that I have everything and I just I'm like like so privileged, mm -hmm. you know. If you're not, it's it's really it's it's really tough. Sure. But yeah, we got him into the Discord, and I hope you know. Again, I can do like a one-on-one -on -one follow up every day, but I, you know, I, I whenever I can, I kind of check in, and it's like, you know, what else? How else can we help you? And he's one of mm -hmm. many, you know. And I don't know. That's just that's just so interesting because the way that you're describing him, it's like so close yet so far away. 
Is that a good yeah. way of describing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that initial conversation with him was exactly that because you when you see like someone kind of face to face, like a, someone's like humanity in front of you, it's like you're close. Like there's nothing kind of separating mm-hmm. you. But then when you speak, you speak a different mm-hmm. language, even if we both speak in Spanish, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like you're here, you know. I understand you. I can. I. I. I know. Like I know who you are and what you want. And but then I can't translate the thing that I want to tell you in the language that you know. Because and all the references yeah. I can come up with, you can't connect with. So um, yeah, it becomes sort of a a challenge. For yeah, sure. you start talking about oh, there's there's this WYSIWYG. And then there's this, and then there's member yeah. stack, and then you might as well be like, be like, oh, and then there's like popsicle, yeah. and then it's just random words that mean nothing. Literally, <laughs> for me, the, 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 that that was the, the moment for me was when I told him about Discord, and he was like, "What is Discord?" I was like, "Okay, okay." Let, I was like, "Let's take a step back," you know. It's yeah. like, I and again, you don't want to be disrespectful or anything, but I was like, YouTube. You know, and he was like, yeah, <laughs> okay. And I was like, okay, you can. And so I was like, yeah, I can send you some YouTube mm-hmm. videos to talk about like Discord so you can sign up, you know, but it's like, where can I connect with you to kind of get you to the next step on yeah. the ladder, you know? Um, what What has it yeah. been like for you? Like uh, seeing all the people that do interact with Discord and do uh, are, are like, yeah. uh, they have a little bit more understanding of all these different tools and stuff like yeah. that. How has it been for them being part of the community? I, I think it's, I like, all I can see is what people say. And of course it's 200 people. Everyone is not yeah. active, but there's a fair amount of activity, you know, knowing how other communities work, you know, we're fairly proud of what we've achieved and how people mm-hmm. help each other. Um, and, you know, we do some, Again, I'm I'm not the most active on the on the community, but I try to check in every week uh, with with folks there. And you know, we do a, a stream every week, uh, but also every other week or so, we do sort of like a portfolio review or whatever, where someone in the community that's starting out or whatever, they kind of share. And this is we don't do like live or anything. It's like within Discord, you have like this sort of chats that you can do. You know, this sort of lounges where you can it's like a slack huddle or something like that you know um so they share their screen and they're like you know this is what i did and you know between the most kind of senior or whatever uh, developers designers there we kind of talk to them about like if you want to sell yourself as a developer you should be doing this or that you know make sure you don't put so much fluff at the top like that image doesn't Mm -hmm. work what are you trying to communicate etc I feel it's super valuable, honestly. Like, you know, it's, it's the, th- you know, I, I am very brutally mm-hmm. honest. Uh, oh, yeah, I've been there the whole <laughs> of my life and I try not to be mean. I am not like my intention is never to be mean, but I know some people are more sensitive than others. But I really love those moments where we can just, you know, tell someone, hey, work more on this, focus on that. Because um, for me, whenever someone is honest with me, it's like a shortcut mm-hmm. in life, you know? I don't want someone to not tell me something because they're nice because then you're slowing me down. Just tell me the thing I'm doing wrong, you know? Uh, and, and then I can kind of move forward. Um, so that's what, what we what we try to do. And I personally try to do there when, when we kind of have these share outs where it's like, 
um, we're trying to get people to progress for real uh, on, on what they're doing. So yeah, I think the, the activity there is, is great. People are kind to each other. You know, the, the, the size is, is right. It started to get tricky when you have like a 2,000 people community, 5,000, yeah. because then it get, it's going to get nasty eventually and it's hard to manage. And I think that's why some communities then go into like whatever a paid tier or something. Because when you get too big, I think the moderation becomes tricky, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, we'll see. If we get there, it's going to be a fun challenge for sure. But right now it's kind of a good size where there's nice interactions, kind people showing stuff to each other, safe space kind of vibes where you can just say a thing and no one's going to be judging you. So it's pretty good. Do you ever think about uh, back when you were in the position where you were going to people for not that you aren't now, but like you were going to people more for advice and there were a lot more senior people that mm -hmm. you were looking up to and, and asking for, I don't know, maybe advice on portfolios and things like that, like that part of your life. Yeah. And then think about where you are now, where you're helping organize these events and giving people yeah. feedback. What is that experience like for you? That, that time change? Yeah. Um, it's, it's really sort of humbling, but also I just feel like, who the <laughs> hell am I to be telling you anything, you know? Like, I know, I know the things I, mm -hmm. I know, uh, you know, I know, okay, I can look at a page and if I know what the objective or the goal is, I can kind of try and with my experience, tell you, okay, maybe this thing here doesn't really work maybe we should bring the um the benefits more closer to the top whatever right i can i know i can assess something and give fairly decent mm -hmm. feedback but also in the back of my mind i'm like it's so anecdotal right yeah because it's just what i know from what i've done which is you know it's not nothing but also really what matters is, you know, data. And of course, not everyone can be checking at looking at data all the time. But for me, I, I always try to not give information, like sort of advice that is not as data driven as possible. So whenever I say something, it's like, you know, because at Mural, we did a lot of testing and such. It's like, if you, like, no one, like whatever, 90% of users don't scroll past, you know, the second section of a web page so anything you put below there does not matter you know or whatever so, so i always try to think about or you know talking about color contrast or type sizes you know is something readable or not is an image not like visually pleasing but does it convey information you know in the context so i always try to think about the 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 things that can you can assign a number mm. to in a way you know i don't like giving feedback that is like that's not cool enough you know you know whatever there's um, something missing so, so <laughs> yeah so so and I, and I feel i do that to protect myself because at the end of the day i really feel this sort of i still don't know anything you know and and but I, but then I, when someone asks me for advice and it's someone that's like maybe in the first year doing whatever design development, I'm like, okay, I know I'm, 
not above you in like, oh, I'm better than you, but like I'm a couple of steps above you on the stair. So I'm sure there's something I can mm-hmm. say that's going to be useful to you. So I know, I know that, right? I know that I can give advice to someone that's starting out because I'm, I'm not starting out. So clearly I, you know, I have a bit more experience, you know, mm-hmm. down my belt. Um, so I feel, I feel great about it. Again, for me, it's still, yeah, I, I, I ask for advice all the time. Like, I, well, you interviewed Jess yeah. recently, Jess Rosenberg. She used to be my, my boss at, at Mural. Um, she's just the best. Like, I, I love her to death, you know, and, and, and we speak uh, once a month. I kind of, she's my unofficial mentor, <laughs> you know. When she left Mural, I was like, Jess, I don't want to lose you. You know, what can we do? Um, so she, she was kind enough to, you know, to, you know, meet with me at once a month. Uh, and we sometimes don't meet cause you know, you know, agendas, you know, it's yeah. just tricky, but uh, we meet at least once, at least once every two months we meet. And, you know, every time we speak, I, I kind of, you know, we, we have like a friendly conversation, but also I sometimes bring something to the table as to like, what do you think about this or that professionally? You know, how should I speak to this person mm-hmm. about this? And so, so for me, having people to look up to is always so important. So, you know, when you say like, how does it feel to be able to advise someone? It's, it's awesome, but only because I know how it feels to get that advice from someone that I admire, you know? So I, I enjoy doing it because if someone is asking for my opinion, it's because for some reason they respect what I do or care about what I do or care about what I think. So I will kind of give that back in a way because I'm always asking for that from the people that I admire, you know, and people are so incredibly kind that they, they do that. So why wouldn't I do, you know, give back that, that generosity? I think that's a wonderful perspective to have because it's so confusing to me sometimes when people have the perspective that they don't want to share information and they struggle, so they want mm. other people to struggle just as much as them. And I don't feel yeah. that from anybody in, in the Webflow world. And I don't also feel that from people in like the general UX world either. No, no. And, and I, I think, you know, there's a thing about, especially maybe in, in UX, right, where um, it's just data at the end of the day, really. Like, I mean, maybe if you're like a true artist or whatever and you're i don't know writing fiction or painting and you don't want to share some Mm. cool trick because it's your trademark i don't okay whatever but like we're just doing our jobs you know it's like you know some people might enjoy this more and be identified with it so that they might bring something to the table but for me like i am know my work does not define me at all you know i i love the work i do i'm incredibly uh, you know grateful to be able to do something that i enjoy at my home you know but it does not define me so like i got really nothing to lose like why why wouldn't i share something with someone if it's gonna make their life better i think that's yeah it's a really good point the difference between whether or not this thing that you're holding on to that you don't want to share whether that defines you or not that's probably the big thing that's the the tipping point that makes you one person or the other i i don't want to steal this <laughs> so i i will give some credit to um uh i recent, recently read uh finally atomic habits mm-hmm. 
Um, and it kind of changed my view a, a bit about that, that this thing about identity, you know, cause I don't remember the, the exact thing, but he's like, you know, you can change a habit on the, on the, um, sort of operational level, like don't smoke means you don't, you know, put a cigarette in your mouth and, and, you know, smoke. But actually, if you smoke, it means you are a smoker. And what you need to change is to become a non-smoker. So instead of saying, no, I quit smoke, I, I'm trying to quit, you just say, I am not a smoker. You know? So he, this guy talks about, like, you can change your habit at the, the again, operational sort of level, or you, but, but you will never change it unless you change your identity, mm. right? If you say, you know, I work out because I don't want to, you know, I want to I wanna be healthy, that is not the same to say like I am a healthy person and thus I work I work out you know, so if you change at a, an identity level, that's when habit sticks you know, um, and that got me thinking a lot and that's why it's sort of a, a bit of a stolen from that logic but I, I was thinking about this the other day I was actually talking to a friend about how you know some people just want to protect brands and be like this is my thing or i don't want to tell you about my product idea because it's like no one cares <laughs> like you know if if you tell me hey pablo i'm making a product uh, for this and that it's like i'm gonna tell you emily a million people have tried it already you just don't know about them so go tell the world about it because you might find someone that actually cares about it as much as you do and you might work mm -hmm. together with him but what no one's gonna do is like I have this idea about an app for delivering things. And it's like, okay, awesome. And let's say that doesn't exist yet. What you need to do to make that happen is work incredibly hard, you know, design it, develop it, sell it, uh, maintain it, pay salaries. Like no one just steals an idea. Yeah. Like you actually need to have the idea and then act on it. So just sharing something doesn't do anything because what you need is for someone to actually act on it to steal it from you and if you're the one that has passion for it you should be the one doing it so you can tell anyone about it but if you have passion for it you're gonna be the one doing the best uh the best uh, job at yeah. it you know because it's it's one thing to think of the idea and then it's another thing to act on it and then follow through that's the hard part yeah and follow through yeah 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 so so the identity for me it's it's, it's really important on this case and and i think a lot of those uh, selfishness issues, mm -hmm. if you want to call them one way. It's like, for me, it's more tied to someone f being afraid of losing who they are than, than anything yeah. else, you know? Because if they tied so much to their job and they're tied so much to their output, if somebody outperforms them, then like, yeah, like, who are you? You're not like the best dude in the room. Um, anymore and then if that makes you feel less worthy that's a really tricky place to be in and then you see someone like like aaron from yeah. automate all the things you know um he's just yeah. sharing everything right but he's the guy he's the mm -hmm. guy you go to because he's the guy that shares True. everything and you know so so it even frees you up to be more yourself if you are just open about it than if you're kind of protective yeah. of it and also, you remember the story of, like, how Aaron's Automate All the Things started? I love that story. I was talking with Aaron on the podcast, and he was talking about how Automate All the Things was originally, like, a dinner party that he and his friends would do, where, like, they would kind of all uh, chip in for dinner, 
And then they would bring all of their laptops for all of these like mundane things that were taking forever to do manually. And he would automate them. And so it was just a dinner called Automate All the Things. And he was doing it with his friends. And I really hope I'm telling the story correctly because I'm telling it from memory. Um, that is very nerdy, but, you know, I get it. <laughs> now I understand but, everything. Like, he, he was talking, he was like working all of these jobs where they were doing so many things manually. And he was just it was driving him crazy. Mm-hmm. And then all of his friends started talking about how they were doing all these things manually. And uh, his response was, guys, I... I am friends with you. I feel responsible for you. Life is too short to be doing all of these things that are taking up all of your time. And that's such a good perspective to have. Just like, please let me help you. Please let me make your life easier and and give you these shortcuts that I didn't have when I had to teach myself all of this stuff. Yeah, for me, like at Agrelin, like I said, with the video production thing, I I do a lot of the general project management of it and i'm doing a ton of automations for that we use clickup for Mm -hmm. project management i'm just doing like a ton ton of automations on the process so like when someone uploads a thumbnail that automatically does this thing and that and creates another task to whatever right Mm -hmm. things like that right um and I am very intense with that (laughs) like i i love autom like so so i tell people that because i know some people might be like dude kind of wait you know what so i I always tell people like hey i added an automation that assigns you a task (laughs) but please please i'm just doing this for you so let me if like if i'm overstepping (laughs) if that's not a thing you should be doing if you know if this is too intense if like this doesn't work for you and you would prefer it in some other way i can automate that new way for you you know but please let me know you know because i don't want to be the guy that's just intense for intense say intensity yeah. sake you know um so i'm always like saying like hey i did this thing just i wanted this don't not tell me that it's not working because you don't want to hurt my feelings because i'm actually not even doing this for mm-hmm. me you know i'm doing this for you to be able to do your thing better so that we can all have a better output you know um so yeah i think if you share and if you're open and if you just say that too right if you if you know because whenever like i was saying i'm very blunt with my Mm -hmm. opinions many times where i'm like giving feedback to someone and whenever i'm about to say something that i might hurt some sensibilities Mm -hmm. i'm like i know this might you know you might not like just let me know and i'll stop or like say it another way but this is how i speak and then i say it you know uh and and generally when you do give that you know, caveat, people understand that you're not being mean, you're just being efficient. I I think that like directness is something that can be really beneficial in trust. Like knowing what I see is what I get. Like this person is being really honest with Mm. me and I can, I can trust that when I ask their opinion, I'm going to get their real opinion. I don't have to like keep mm-hmm. on asking questions and then get yeah. the real answer. So is that like something that's really important to you? Cause I value that a lot in people. No, yeah, it is. And I was, you know, um, you know, it's a, it's a story from your old time. I don't think I'm not going to say any names or anything. So it shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm. affect anyone, but there was a time, you know, where there was this project and someone told me, like, what do you think about this? And I was like, I think this, yeah. you know, whatever. And he's like, okay, I'm going to talk with 
someone else and see what they think. And I'm like, why don't we get that person into this conversation and we just all talk about it? Um, And he's like, I don't know. Let me check with them if that's okay. And I'm like, and so, and I I was already like, (laughs) Um, so I was like, and he's like, is it okay for me to tell them what you told me? And I'm like, whatever I tell you, like say to you, you can just, you can say to anyone, you know, so every single word you know don't and if you say something that you misunderstood i might correct myself you know if that was not what i meant but there's no nothing that i'm saying that you have to ask me permission to say yeah. to someone else because like this is a workplace workplace and i again going back mm-hmm. to the identity and the i don't care like this is a job like literally it's like i'm doing this it kind of gives me money at the end of the month luckily it's a good job I enjoy it. I yeah. like the people, but there's like, I'm not gonna lose like time of my like, or headspace or my mental health for some silly, you know, workplace, workplace, uh, workplace yeah. situation. So just say, and he's like, okay. And, and, and eventually, and he was a bit uncomfortable. So I went like, what, but what's going on? And he's like, okay, but this person is like, so then I had to kind of go to that person and be like, what, and try to, it's like, just, can we just say the yeah. words, right? On our minds, like, why are we? And then it was the thing that it was not about that person. It was about the boss. And then, you know, sometimes when you're a big company, it becomes a bit unwieldy to kind of try and mm-hmm. fix everything. So it's some, but I wanted to, my direct sort of mm-hmm. peer group, I wanted to be like, we're good here, right? We're no one's like telling someone something different and talking behind the back of yeah. the other one, you know? And eventually kind of, you know, it worked, but it's like when a company is larger, you know, it gets tricky because there will always be some interest that someone is yeah. protecting. Uh, and it's like, I don't care about that at all. This, you this, know? Uh, this topic uh, looks like it exhausts you. Like you, the way you telling that story, you're like, I'm so over this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, but, it's, but it's because it's like, it doesn't make sense like yeah. for me. There's, you know, the only thing that makes sense in like big company politics is actual uh, protecting, you know, IP mm-hmm. or, you know, a project that is a bit, you know, um, uncertain yet. So you kind of have to test some things before you communicate to the larger enterprise because you don't want to set expectations that might not come through. Like there's things that of course, like if you're protecting, like uh, if it's an issue about like hiring or layoffs or things, like, of course there's things that you can't just, everyone can't just speak their mind Mm -hmm. all the time, but more often than not, those are not the reasons why people Mm -hmm. are not talking. It's just because someone said not to bring that up and no one asked that person why, you know, and so now it became a secret and it's like, why are we talking like in whispers about this thing? Where it's, it's just our next marketing yeah. campaign. Are you kidding me? It's like, no, it's not, it's not going to change yeah. the world, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I no, Yeah. Like going back to your question, I really care about like super deep honesty and uh, yeah, candor, extreme candor um, on, on every aspect like of my life. Like with my partner, mm-hmm. you know, we we talk like everything through um, with my parents, like with my siblings. Yeah, like the good and mm-hmm. the bad, you know, um, but I'd rather not keep it in. Yeah. You know? When did you learn that in life? Um, 
I give some credit to uh, uh, a girlfriend I had. Not a, officially a girlfriend, but um, a girl I I really liked and we kind of had a bit of a thing, but short-lived because I was living in Mexico and it was... Um, I was a sort of an exchange mm -hmm. student there and she was like not from Mexico either. So eventually we mm -hmm. played up again. She was uh, older than me. Like I was maybe 20 and she was like 25 mm -hmm. or something. And, and she, I, it's funny because I, I put a lot of weight, like in a way on her. And I don't know if she now remembers me five years <laughs> later or five, no, 10, 10 years later. Wow. Um, but, but she was really key on me growing up a bit because I was very, didn't care much about like really nothing. Like I was just a, you know, traditional like teenager, just doing whatever the herd <laughs> did, you know, just going around. And then when we started kind of having conversations and eventually sort of going out in those like four months, whatever, um, she was actually interested about me in a way that no one had like explicitly been like asking me questions about like what do I want to do you know what do I think about mm -hmm. this or that and when I started responding she actually heard back and interacted with my conversation like on a deeper level you know it's like okay you know you can have deep conversations with someone you know where I don't think I had many of those you yeah. know growing up I mean I had like many friends and like good relationships nothing like really bad but nothing else nothing deep mm -hmm. either you know i guess um and after that trip I, i've changed quite a bit um i do give some credit to that to her and that mm -hmm. relationship um yeah that was sort of the turning point for me and then i don't know i just kept on going from there really i think there are definitely some people in life that are just exactly what you need at that time in your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She, she, she was. It, it felt like that yeah. that way. I, I've definitely had people like that in my life that just um, like worked on my confidence. I think that was that was a big thing. Just like, yeah. mm -hmm. well, and and I'll give credit. No, no, sorry, no. sorry to cut you off. I'll give credit to to Jess yeah. Rosenberg too. No, we don't topic. She made me grow up professionally at a scale I wouldn't have, I couldn't have anticipated, you know, or expected mm -hmm. really. She was, I, I had never been a manager before. Uh, and she had the opportunity to grow the team and, you know, sort of appoint a manager or hire a manager. And kind of, she, I, I sort of asked for it, you know, I was like, can I, can I try, <laughs> you know? And she was like, She, I don't know, she trusted in me, you know, and she said yes. And eventually the team, the team grew a lot. You know, I went from like never managing to managing five people. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like, like a crash course on just, you know, management and being like a professional, serious person, uh, you know, and it was all her, her trust in, in, in me, uh, really. So, so she's also top of the list of people that, in a way, kind of were pivotal in, in my life. And so when you think about um, these two people in your life, like the, the girl that you met in Mexico on, on when you were both there for student exchange, like the, yeah. the you before you met her and the you after, as well as the you before 
just started mentoring you and then the you where Jess is yeah. still mentoring you, even maybe from a distance. Yeah. Um, what do you think about like the before and afters of those two people in your life? Well, you know, I don't know what to say, honestly, because I, it's kind of, it's hard to play the counterfactual mm. in a way. Like I, eventually I would have grown yeah. up, I guess I would expect that, you know, it might not have been her, you know, when I was yeah. 20, but someone else, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, I, I guess, you know, I don't know. We men are fairly slow <laughs> at growing up, you know, and maturing. Um, but I would assume at some point that something would have happened uh, with me there. I hope, but, but yeah, no, I was, um, I was on a path. Like I, I liked, I, I enjoyed, I was studying graphic design. I knew I was sort of going to get into more development slash, you know, web design. Um, but I didn't have strong opinions and I guess I did learn that, you know, um, and I, I felt a, a change in that, um, in that. So I actually, after that, I got more serious with theater after, because I really loved, loved it back then. So after that, coming back from Mexico, I was like, if I like it, then I might as well just do it. So I got really deep into that for like five years. Eventually it didn't work out, but I, I kind of went into like real auditions and kind of tried it, tried to make it a thing. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know if I would have made some more like serious decisions had I not met her and maybe the path would have been a more, a bit more meandering. Um, but I don't feel like I, I wouldn't have gotten to where I am either. Like, you know, I don't know, maybe I could have, it's really tough, but w with Jess, um, maybe because it's the recency bias, it's the fact that she decided to trust me in being a manager changed my professional path significantly. Right. Um, and I, I don't know that I, I would be, you know, where I am today had it not been for her kind of taking the leap on, on, on me and on, on me doing that job. But again, I guess it's recency bias because <laughs> that's more recent yeah. now. I mean, I still think back on on things that I've experienced of um, uh, really important people in my career that were there for me um, and either gave me a chance with a job where I hadn't yet proven myself, but they thought that there was some sort of potential there um, or people that gave me advice or people that showed me certain resources and stuff like that. And you start to realize that like a lot of people are just a mosaic of other people just giving them a little bit of a chance and it's yeah. so crazy because the amount of people that i um uh i don't know maybe i warmed up to or um they they were willing to talk to me for a little bit um that's a lot of fate of just being in the right place at the right time and and being friendly and and uh um seeming capable um, there were a lot of people that had to give me a chance. And so like, is that, does that sound familiar to you? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, while you were talking, I was thinking it is the first time uh, right now at Edgar Allen where I actually feel that I can do the job I was hired really? to do, <laughs> you know, it's lit. It's literally the first time where I'm like, 
again, I, I don't, I don't think I know everything by no means, you know, it's, there's very tough development, the web development things that I have to do that I'm learning every day, but, but I'm like, okay, I, I can kind of breathe. I know I'll figure mm-hmm. it out. You know, it's tough enough that I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to get bored. You know, um, it's, it, I know there's like a growth path, you know, like, like it's, it's a great job, but also it is the first time where I can say it's a great job. And also I wake up feeling like I can do it, which, you know, for mural, I kind of got in, I, I really think that kind of through the side door, you know, for that job. Cause I was referred to, uh, by a guy that was working there. The company was super small. It was not super, but it was a hundred people. It then it grew to a thousand in the period that I was there. So, um, I was the, the first, you know, web design hire. The guy that hired me kind of liked me on a personal level. Like we really mm-hmm. hit it off. So I was like, okay. And then when I was in, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I had never used Webflow before actually, you know, they, they told me they were using Webflow and I told them I did not, hadn't used it before. And they gave me kind of a tech challenge, you know, where I had to build a website in a week. I was like, I might as well, you know, I tried really hard and I did a website and they liked it. And, you know, for whatever reason I got in, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and before that I was working at also, you know, sort of front end development, but it was sort of a government work where those got, those are good jobs, but they're not like necessarily tough. Like they're not like, cause you know, when you're working for a government, there's no like the high stakes Mm -hmm. of a company that has to make money you know, the government is a lot more lax. Um, so I didn't feel like there was like this urgency to, to be the, the, be really good or whatever. Um, and then I got this job at Mural and for the longest, cause first I was doing a job. I did not know how to do it. Never worked in Webflow. Then I started building a team, which I did mm-hmm. not know how to do. Then it was a five people team. And then I was kind of talking to the CMO on a regular basis. And I was like, what the hell, you know, I'm meeting with people that like, they, they are like X, whatever, X Twitter, X Uber, X Shopify, X. And I'm like, I'm X nothing guys. <laughs> I've never, I haven't done this before in my life. I love that so phrase. <laughs> I always felt, yeah, literally, literally. And I was like, always like telling my girlfriend before a meeting, I'm meeting with a guy that, you know, was the whatever CMO at say, yeah. I don't know, whatever, right? Some company. And I, I have, I haven't done anything in my life. You know what, what can I tell them? You know? Um, and then you kind of learn that no one really knows anything. Uh, <laughs> then you chill down a bit, but now at Edgar Allen, I finally feel like, you know, I've been around, I'm confident mm-hmm. in my skills. I know what I'm good at, which is something that I think it's really important. You know, I, I think that I, I really think that you grow professionally when you actually understand what you're good at and mm-hmm. what you're not good at. And you just learn to say no to all the things you're not good at. And you just save yourself a lot of, a lot of, you know, stress and unnecessarily, you know, nerves around stuff. You know, now I know that someone mentioned something, I don't know how to do. I'm also confident enough that I know other things to say like that. Yeah. Nope. No, thank you. You know, uh, and I think that's a lot of growing up as a yeah. professional, you know. I don't know. What what does it feel like to be to be present right now? 
like thinking about um like where you are now versus like where where you've come from and thinking about your your old jobs and and how you're feeling where it seems like now it's not that like everything is right in front of you and everything's easy peasy lemon squeezy um it's but <laughs> uh things are like within reach like if i if i walk over there and put some effort into it and 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 learn this new skill i know i could do it even though i don't necessarily know now uh everything's within reach that's what i'm hearing yeah it's um for me it feels like i don't want to get uh well whatever like on a step and like a on a plateau, mm -hmm. you know, where I'm like, I don't want to get mm -hmm. comfortable. And I don't, I don't, I'm not honestly at this, like there's, I don't feel that, mm -hmm. which is good, but I think I'm perceptive enough. That's one of my strengths for sure. And Jess will tell <laughs> you that if you ask her, I am very self-reflective mm -hmm. to a fault sometimes, you know? Um, so I would notice when I, I'm not being fair to myself and doing a work, a job that is too easy, you know, and I, I wouldn't allow myself that because I would get bored. And also because I want to keep, you know, growing professionally, if anything, to always, you know, have a better life and more comfortable living, have hopefully, you know, a family that I can support and all of that, you know, so I don't want to kind of go into a plateau, mm -hmm. but I am, like I said, in a point where, okay, I have some control of, of the situation. And, you know, how I feel about that and looking back uh, to when I didn't have that is I'm just grateful. You know, I don't want to be cliche, um, but gratefulness is something I think so much about. Um, and waking up every day and walking like the wall behind is my room my mm -hmm. bedroom so i walk out my bedroom i walk my dog around the neighborhood make myself a coffee come and meditate for 10 minutes uh, which is a tip i got from atomic habits to compound your mm -hmm. habits uh, and then i just sit down to work um and I feel like I'm cheating in life, <laughs> like someone sent, sent me the cheat code and I just went in and just a couple of keystrokes and I'm in cheat mode because it shouldn't be like, honestly, like I, yeah, I'm just grateful because this, this is too good for, for anything that I could have ever dreamt. You know, there's a, there's a phrase that I really love. Um, I, I use Waking Up, which is an app mm -hmm. for meditating uh, from Sam Harris. I, I really kind of love the, the guy and how he thinks and how he expresses mm -hmm. things. And there's a phrase from, from him that says, um, you now have everything that you dreamt you would someday have. Did you notice when you moved the goalpost? Huh. And... I always think about that because the, what I have now, it's not even the goalpost I had. <laughs> it's a million kilometers 
farther from what I ever thought a goalpost yeah. could be, you know? So if I'm not doing the best, if I'm not being like, not even like doing the best, just being good and honest and honoring the work and honoring the people that trust in me and that, you know, are along the, uh, you know, come along for the ride with me, then I'm just such a, just such mm-hmm. an idiot, you know, because I couldn't have it better. And anything more than I, that I get, it's just really, it's not even icing on the cake. It's just like, I don't know. It's, I, you know, I'm just over, I am over anything I could have ever wanted. So yeah, it's just that fully honest is only gratefulness that I have for anything that I, I get. And yeah, I couldn't ask for more. What does that feel like? It's like I got there, you know, really. Yeah, but in a good way. I know some people might think that's wrong, but I am very, very much a, again, like I mentioned, I I really love meditation and and just being present. And in a way, it's really, it feels like, okay, I got there now. All I need is to just sit down, breathe and enjoy. Like there's, there's no more to achieve, but I know I'll keep achieving things, but not with the, with the, with being hungry for success, with being jealous for others, for having more than I have. It's not by, you know, stepping on each other, on, on other people to get somewhere. It's like, if I grow I want to make sure, you know, the people around me or the people I care about, you, Mason, anyone that I, that helped me along the path that I am honoring them too, you know, because I don't need anything else really. I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so happy to hear that this is where you're at. And, and I've definitely had moments along the way too, where, um, some people tell you that when you get to this this goal that you have in your mind or you, when you get to this thing, um, you're you're not going to have all these fireworks and it's not going to be as special. It's going to be anticlimactic. Mm. And some people have told me that about a job that I really wanted or something like that. But um, I think that is possible for you to get to that goal, get to that goalpost and just be just so happy. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be all yeah. ridiculously special or anything that you can just be content and it can just be very simple yeah and it's nice to say it uh i think about it a lot but i don't speak about it in 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 length so thanks for for you know humoring me and saying that because it's yeah it's it's really nice to to feel that we just did two hours does it feel like two hours (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) It really does How not. How are you feeling? Although people might not know that I did cut <laughs> us off two times because of the of <laughs> deliveries, but uh, I'm guessing your editor is doing a He's good gonna job. He's going to do a great job. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm feeling great. Um, a bit uh, yeah. hungry. Uh, it's eight twenty. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I won't lie to you. I, I, I'm a bit hungry. Um, but other than that, uh, it's, it's awesome. It's, 
I don't know. Now, now I got a bit emotional with all that last that closing, you know, thought. So I don't want to overextend myself in that. But I'm just happy. Like I'm just happy knowing that now I'm mm-hmm. gonna eat, take a shower, go to sleep, and then do what I love. Yeah. Home. You know, it's like what else? What else can I even want? I'm to? so happy for you, and and I I'm so happy for all of these things that have happened for you, um, in the last year and all of these changes and everything. It's just. Something more I could wish for you, bud. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I'm uh, really excited for episode 100. <laughs> I don't know who, who's going to be that. So looking Aww. forward to that. Congratulations. And such a, an incredible podcast. It's been very inspiring. Um, I want to do something. I won't spoil, but I have some ideas that I am working on. Um, and, and you were one of the inspirations. Thank you. Sure. Well, as soon as you you do anything, um, let me know, and I'll like post about it yeah. or anything that I can do. Let me know. <laughs> I'd love that. Of course, of course, um, of course. If somebody is listening to this and and they really want to reach out and they really want to learn more about you or they want to find some of these things that you were talking about, um, how would somebody reach out to you and where can they find these the like Webflow Cafe and everything? Yeah. Um, so. Um, I am on Twitter as long as Twitter keeps working. <laughs> um, uh, and that's a, uh, Pablo G. Pablo G. Day. Uh, I don't know. You can write it yep. down because my name is, uh, yeah, that's, that's it. At Pablo G. Day. It's not for Green Day. <laughs> uh, it's not for Good Day. It's because my last name is Gonzalez. So it's Gonzalez Day. Um, the best way to connect with me really is on Twitter. I am incredibly, incredibly, you know, popular there with 500 <laughs> followers. So, um, I, yeah, you can, you can connect there for sure. Um, then what else? The, the Webflow Cafe really on Twitter also it's at Webflow mm-hmm. Cafe. Um, if you speak Spanish, if you don't, you know, you might learn, <laughs> but it's all in Spanish there. So, um, and then, yeah, that's yeah. about it, really, honestly. Um, anything you want, you can send me a DM on Twitter, and I'd be happy to 